I did. I don't know if I, you were keeping up with that, but I did it, and it was ranking in the um, like the 70s range. Hold on a second. This video is going to keep. Well, that's that's not a glowing endorsement. <laughs> All right, there you go. So anyway, it was ranking in the 70s. 74, I think, is where it popped in when I built it. Optimize it with Cop, Pop and Cora went to 77. Then it went to 97. Then it dropped out of the index. Now it's uh, three and four uh, for both the uh, exact term and then the inverse, which is Tucson SEO and SEO Tucson. So number three and four. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. That's a result. <laughs> so the, uh, the downside is I didn't only do Pop on that i was testing out some backlinks a backlink source that i found and sent a little bit of traffic to it and i'm not going to share that because if it was the backlinks then that's badass and i'm not going to give that to everybody but um but if it wasn't then i know i know from a, from previous experience that pop and core combined i can take over uh you know the top three yeah. at least for most keywords especially if you're talking like easy keywords uh, so um but that's still a good result. Anyway, I'm going to do the same thing uh, with Surfer SEO uh, and see if that's, you know, do I get the same result? So if I apply all of their stuff based off of what they're doing, am I getting the same return on investment for my time? So, uh, But I've had that tool since it started, too. I think I get like 10 keywords a day or some crap like that. I'm not sure. Um and I use it every once in a while when I remember that I have it <clears throat> just to, you know, kind of sanity check myself and see if I'm not missing out on something that, you know, maybe maybe they pick something up that the great old Ted couldn't find. <laughs> well, you know, there's lots of things to measure. The question is, how do they prioritize them? Mm -hmm. Is it based on their belief system or do they have some math that's trying to identify which ones seem to be more important? Right. And so my understanding of what they're doing is they've coded it to their belief system. So it's always the same order of the same factors. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't honestly, I don't necessarily think that's bad. Kyle pretty much did the same thing with pop. He just, we both know they just do a lot more math at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Alrighty, so with that being said, hopefully everyone is live now. I know the ads kind of um, play and take over the first couple minutes, so uh, hopefully we're all set. With that being said, welcome to SEO This Week, episode 127. Today we got some tools, some tips, and some updates. Uh, 11 pieces of content so far, and one, two, three, four, five different tool sets that you may or may not have known about. I didn't know about them, so I thought they were really cool, and I wanted to share them. Uh, and then we'll close it out with a continuation of that talk there. You just heard between Ted and I about a um, a competitor. I guess it wouldn't be a competitor. It's just another tool uh, in the on-page space that people are using, and some are using it with success. So I figured, hey, what the hell, we'll try it out. And uh, if anything, we'll make everybody's tools better, just comparing and contrasting and finding out uh, how to use them in the best thing. 
So with that, I'd like to welcome uh, my friend, Ted Gabitis. Hey, Ted, welcome. Hello. As always, he's here to brainiac us, make us feel dumb, and sometimes make us feel significantly smarter. <laughs> Happy to help. <laughs> with that, here is the... Ooh, ooh, there we go. All right, so we're going to start off with TF-IDF, Term Frequency Inverse Document Frequency uh, Tools. And I guess there's another tool on the market. I know, Ted, you have LSI in there um, in Cora. I think Pop has a little bit of LSI. Um, and then there's just a couple of these Term Frequency IDF tools, like uh, Website Auditor is one that I like to use. Uh, um, here's well, another one, SEO Ability. I haven't tested it out, actually. Um, the the weird part of TF-IDF is it, it's a ratio. It's it's TF is the numerator and IDF is the denominator. And TF is, is kind of straightforward. It's how many times are you saying the keyword on the page. Uh -huh. uh, but IDF is the difficult part. That's how many pages on the internet use the word. What's the document count? And so when people come out with TF IDF tools, I'm like, how the heck are you calculating the IDF part? You basically have to be Google to get an accurate number on that. Uh -huh. And I'm not even sure Google could get an accurate number <laughs> on it. Um, so the real mystery is, you know, do, does Google use TF IDF? Uh, do they use all of it or just the numerator? And uh, if they're using all of it, how are how is that being calculated, the IDF part? Correct. And so uh, I've seen in the data that term frequency, the numerator part, often correlates with rankings. So it does look like Google is at least using something like the, uh, the numerator of TF-IDF. With that being said, what do you think that that kind of plays into the keyword density argument? Google doesn't use keyword density. You've done some crazy tests where you've gotten like number one rankings with 75% uh, keyword density. Oh, 95. Even. Yeah. yeah, so 95. So. Um. TF is the better TF or the higher TF you have is the winner. Wouldn't that also support the argument that keyword density matters? Well, if if we look purely at the testing, uh, you know, is it is it keyword density or is it the match count? And the way we tested that is we created web pages ranging from 1% keyword density all the way up to 95% keyword density. And then we also created web pages that had uh, a fixed keyword density of 10%, but we varied the size of the page to increase the match count. So we maintained a constant 10% keyword density but we increased the match count from 100 matches all the way up to 7,000 matches, but all at 10% density. Right. When we ran the test, everything lined up by keyword density. All the match count ones going from 100 matches to 7,000 matches, 
all slotted in at where 10% keyword density should slot in. Uh So it appears that keyword density is the thing. Now, how much do you need given that we ranked all the way up to 95%? You probably need 1% more than your competitors. So I think that goes along with what Kyle was saying. Was it 1.5 of the standard deviation or some madness that he put in math terms? (laughs) I I don't even know that that's true because every time we've tested that with any degree of strictness, there were always outliers that violate it. Right. I think what he's showing is that the data tends to fit a bell curve, but the rule is not the bell curve. You can violate it. Makes sense. The uh, the article goes into listing a couple more tools. I guess there's this SEO abilities. That's the new one. That and it looks like it has a text editor. Uh, the interface looks really a lot like Entopic and a bunch of other ones. Uh, Write is kind of expensive from what I remember, but this one I guess there is a a free version that you can play with. And then the Linked Assistance website auditor. I've used that one personally. I kind of like it. Uh, it's helpful. And you can get some more of this information, like I said, out of the core reports or Page Optimizer Pro if you have those too, if you don't want to play around with new um, or different tools. Uh, I think another one Kyle liked to talk about was Entopic. Uh, I've used text tools, and then there's one other one. I can't remember the name right off my right off the bat. But um, for the most part, I've had decent luck just following website auditors' recommendations, and I'll play around with the core recommendations uh, just depending on, on what I'm doing. There's another service called ClearScope IO, and that uses NLP, uh, the Google NLP API, and it uses IBM Watson API and combines that data and kind of takes us to a different level using entities. Um, I have not had a chance to play with that one yet because the price point is up to uh, $300 right now. Uh, but I want to definitely get into that and, and play with that, especially because the systems they have that allow you to uh, actually create a template based off of what Cora or Pop give you. You can create a template article for your writers, uh, plug in the keyword. It'll share all the information, the entities that you want to add in there on top of your TF, IDF stuff that you can get from your other tools. Uh, and throw that at your writer, and now that he or she has a complete outline for you, and you get exactly what you want, what you need. So, uh, definitely something worth looking at. I know of some other people in private that are doing testing on the uh, NLP APIs and seeing some really good success with it. Uh, I know one specifically that's thinking about releasing a product about it, uh, but you know, it's just to me, it's just not mainstream enough yet for him to kind of get a return on investment on what he's looking at. Uh, he's really got to go after the agency guys. So I'm not sure that that will be a public tool or not, but if it is, if he decides to release it that way, I'll let you guys all know because he's yeah. getting really good results with that. The NLP APIs, at least the Google ones are crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why clear scope is so high and that and combined with the fact that, you know, IBM Watson, that one used to be free. Alchemy is what they called it, I believe. And they uh, depreciated that. And now you're, they're charging for it. So uh, definitely something to get into. If you're not in the TDF, IDF, 
you know, I'm not, I'll tell you right now that I'm not fully 100% on board with adding these other things. Like kind of what Ted said, I, I worry about my exact match, uh, see where it is. And I'll throw the variations from Cora and pop in and I'm good with that. Uh, but, uh, the rest of these adding these other words and stuff, not a hundred percent completely on board, but if you are into testing and you want to check it out or just see, Hey, if it works in the wild for you, um, and you, you don't have anything else, you can't figure out anything else, then go with TDF, IDF, and see what happens. Well, the uh, the other interesting thing about this this area of of factors is that uh, there there are people who worry about over optimization, and there are lots of accountings of people detuning a page and their rankings getting better. Uh-huh. Now there's an equal amount of accountings of people detuning a page and their rankings getting worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what we currently suspect we haven't proven is that we think keyword density might have been at play. So by removing content, your your keyword density could increase if you're removing content that doesn't have a lot of uh, keyword usage in it. Uh-huh. But if you remove content that has a lot of keyword usage in it, your keyword density can go down. So if you're just blindly detuning a page, then you might have a 50-50 chance of hurting your keyword density. Yeah, across the board. Uh, What I do with all the tools is I do the add to, and I rarely, if ever, do any takeaway. Uh, and it's part of our SOPs. You know, when you plug in core, you plug in pop or you club in surfer SEO, if it tells you to add great, if it tells you to take away, ignore it for now. Um, that's, that's kind of like our standard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't take the option off the table. It just shouldn't be the first thing you try. Yeah, for sure. All right, next one, search engine roundtable. Google, both old and new domains do not benefit you in Google. This is interesting. It reminded me of the talk that Ted had yesterday or last week. Uh, A little bit here and a little bit of SEO Fight Club. We're talking about domain age, and it doesn't matter. Um, I think there's been arguments on both sides that an older domain can do better, but then Ted's argument, if I remember correctly, was – it's not so much the age as how long Google's recognized it's got content on it and it's been that topic, which will help boost it a little bit more. So. Yeah, yeah. So Google's Google's claim in this case uh, in this case is a half truth. Yeah. It's it's technically true in that the age of the domain does not matter. Uh, but the the implied question is do older websites have an advantage? And yes, they do because they have more history in Google. Yeah, more history, more authority, more trust. Hopefully and, more trust. <laughs> yeah, and if you're buying old domains, you really don't want to look at the creation date in the Whois data. That's how you get scammed. Uh, what you want to do is go to the Wayback Machine Internet Archive and see how long there's been index content for the domain name. And that is the actual age that is going to have beneficial effects. On that tip, do you, is it coincide? Do you think that if it's in the index, then Wayback will have something? Yeah, typically. Uh, the only way it, it, it wouldn't have anything in Wayback Machine is if you did your... 
uh, robots exclusion or whatnot to get it excluded from the Internet Archive. Okay. Now, the Internet Archive is limited on resources. They can't simply download a copy of the entire history, you know, the entire daily history of the Internet. Right. So oftentimes, unless you're a very important website, it'll only have your homepage. Makes sense. Cool. All right. Let's see. Next one. Uh, RobbieRichards.com. I got two stories from him. He's actually putting out some really good content. And this is a little bit older. It's 12 ways to get your website on the first page of Google. And I like this one because it came out with some examples and templates. Uh, so just check it out. I won't go too deep into it because, like I said, it's an older piece. But, you know, there's there's some different things to think about uh, and to way to leverage some Google features, et cetera, and some ways to actually try to, to get them, in particular, feature snippets, which as you saw as I scrolled through. The new one is the best. The 48 experts rank the best SEO software for agencies. There are a couple of my favorites that are missing from here. I actually contributed to this one, I believe. There's a couple that I did, but yeah, SEMrush, uh, obviously, and Ahrefs are probably my two favorites. And then there's some other ones maybe you guys didn't know about. Uh, screaming file search called Sightbulb. That's one that I recommended. URL profile, I use that one. Sanity check I've never even heard of, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, I was thinking about checking that one out. Deep crawl, GT metrics, webpage, webpagetest.org is where you need to go for that. Uh, and then some on-page stuff where you see old Kyle got a shout-out, ClearScope did, Market Muse, and for whatever reason, they left Core out, just not getting its traction. And I think that experts, quote-unquote, um, a lot of those guys just don't get the, the data yet. They're, for, for whatever reason, it's, you know, I've seen white hats and black hat people talking about Cora. Uh, constantly is showing off the reports and a lot of people are just scared <laughs> of the level of data that you have in there. Well, I'm, I'm actually okay with Cora not being mainstream. Oh, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my happy place with a successful small business. Um, so, you know, it's okay with me that I don't have 90% market share. Yeah, I'm upset you have as much market share as you got, personally. <laughs> Remember when you launched that thing? I was like, no, don't release it. <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah, as long, as long as there's enough people who understand the advantage, then, then it's all good. Yeah, I think really if you combine with your user base you have now, the people that are actually going to apply everything, um, and doing it at scale, applying this at scale in the right way is really hard. Trust me, I tried it like four times. Um, it just, you know, that leaves it open for those people that are smart and patient and diligent enough to apply tools like Pop and Cora or Surfer SEO or whatever um, at a market advantage, which is really cool. Plus, you get to make some money out of it, so... All right, this one is a resources page. There's a link in there. If you guys have never used Google Data Studio, I suggest you get on board. If only because it makes your reporting to clients so much easier. Um, we've highlighted some other guys that 
that then uh, reports using Data Studio, Ryan Stewart for one, Robbie Richards, he's another one. Uh, I bet, I think Ann Cushing, she's coming out with something for this. Uh, Jeff from Jeff Olytics, he's got another one, and there's another dude, uh, Brian something, I believe his name is. He created another course uh, on doing this. The, I tell you all that just because we can create one report for a client right at the beginning during the onboarding, teach them how to use this thing, and they can update it uh, as they go. So let's say they get a report and the next week they want to look at it again. They can actually go into the reports, change the date range, um, similar to what this one is set up, and it'll update and refresh all that data right for them right on the right on the spot. So uh, Data Studio is something definitely everyone should know. If you don't like Google and you want to use Microsoft Power BI, go for it. It's, it's just as cool, uh, and you can pull in from the same data sources. Um, some things in here, template finders. These are really good just to give you some great ideas uh, to, to look at, and you can go off specifically and find different services, etc. cetera. Uh, if you don't have the skills or you don't want to use uh, these guys' templates, again, Ryan Stewart's got a good set, or you can hire pretty much a really good analytics guy who's good at visualizations can make these for you too. So... Uh, I.e. Ryan Stewart's, we took them and modified them a little bit to fit our needs, and our analytics guy did all that data studio, and it took him probably half a day. Uh, so definitely something you guys should be, and gals, should be checking out. Ted, use data studio? Uh, I, I like it a lot. Um, there are a number of visualization tools out there that, that are pretty cool, but most of them cost a ton of money. Yeah. And Data Studio is, you know, it's it's kind of comparable to, to Tableau. I know they have, you know, different features and APIs. Yeah, Tableau's a beast. <laughs> but, you know, ta Tableau is really expensive. Yeah, thousand. I think it's $1,000 for a single user license. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they have limitations. So if you have a ton of data, I'm sorry, it's just not going to end well. Because <laughs> uh, you, you have to make serious investments and, in, in, you know, business intelligence infrastructure to do, you know, big data and large scale. For sure. But, you know, if all of if all of your sales for the year are in a single spreadsheet, you can do some amazing things with Data Studio. Yeah, and it's really good to if you're from the agency side, showing the ROI, proving the ROI for your clients, and if you're from the uh, client side, be able to look at that and say, "Hey, this product's making me more money right now. Let me throw some more marketing at that versus going site wide." Um, and that's one of the values that I get out of this. So, uh, again, the G Google Analytics, Search Console, and GMB is all plug into this thing. So check it out. And there's plenty of other templates, not just the ones in here, not just the ones that are for sale. You can find other people sharing templates. You can just grab them. All you have to do is go into the um, Google Data Studio when you open the template up. And typically there's a, a share button. Uh, that'll allow you to uh, make a copy of it. Uh, 
Let's see. This one doesn't look like this one has it, but for most part, I've seen people like who are selling reports and selling integrations, and they leave that option turned on. So you got a free one that you can just do by yourself, and you just got to figure out the connections. And after that, you're you're in a, in the in the money. So I wonder if there's a clever link building trick to make a killer SEO report that you sell, but you accidentally leave it publicly accessible. <laughs> yeah. there is <laughs> there is <laughs> and you can make you can make some cool backlinks with this thing too so uh let's see here's another version of that this is an audit if you're doing an analytics audit it's a really cool um thing i like to ask some questions and stuff you just click this here it's not obvious but it is the link to take you to the template and uh, i'll click it just to show you uh, what I was talking about with the copy, bring that up. There it is right here, this little button right here. Make a copy of it. Once you make a copy, it'll tell you to reconnect to your new data sources, and there you go. It's all filled in. Uh, as you can see, this is really cool. Uh, let me just show you an example. So here you add data sources. Uh, let's see. I'm not sure what they're looking for. Since this is analytics, it's probably going to be analytics. Let's see if I have one in here. That might be it. Show off my measly analytics. And then it updates the data. And there's my measly analytics. Uh, so you can just go through and do that uh, to your heart's content. Now you have a free deliverable that someone else made for you for your clients. So I like it. And then she uh, adds some extra widgets and stuff that go in there. But that's a good template to use. I uh, would check that one out. Uh, next tool is from Seven Figure Agency. It's 7fagent.agency. If you're looking for the site, it comes with the video. And it'll tell you how to actually uh, use this template to scrape Reddit. And why you why some things you would want to do that for. One, you can kind of stay up on top of your market, see what everyone's talking about. Um, I've never been successful at promoting posts in, and content in Reddit, but it's always been a great tool to find out what are, you know, what what should I be writing about. Uh, so that's one value added to this. And the video is actually pretty easy. I just walk you through how to use the spreadsheet. And it's in Google Sheets, so it kind of plugs in uh, one to the other and it'll save you a whole lot of time. Great for market research, especially if you're kind of, you know, brain frozen on writing. Yeah, I've, I've always found you have to be incredibly thick skinned to oh, contribute yeah. on Reddit. Yeah. It's not for the, the you know, the faint of heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you wear your feelings on a sleeve, you might want to stay out of Reddit. <laughs> um, I'm in a big SEO Slack group, and that was pretty good. I like I like being in there and some smart people in there. Um, but, yeah, like Ted said, if you go in there to promote your stuff, you're going to get crucified. Uh, and then a lot of people, it's like any other social platform. If you say something that disagrees with them, they're going to eat your lunch. Um, but if you say something smart, they're going to give you some credit to you. So you kind of get the good with the bad. Yeah, yeah. But the default mode is typically grief. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's with anything you provide information and there's always going to be a hundred people to say, Oh no, you're wrong. So whatever it is what it is. 
The next tool is from Strage IQ. It's a cool domain name. Uh, and this is a Google Apps Trend Connector for Data Studio. You can pull it in and kind of follow in your market, see how things are going. I really like trends. Uh, there's a couple courses out there that tell you how to leverage this data a little bit more. But um, for the basic setup of what this guy's got going on, I think it's pretty cool. And you just kind of follow things and see where they're going. You can also add this to your keyword research. If you've never seen Kyle show that off, that's a cool uh, presentation where he just kind of walks you through trends. I do that too. Um, and, and basically, you know, that's how I do like my page structure as well as I go in the trends if I'm kind of lost for supporting data and I know I need more words so I'll go into trends and expand on that yeah you know if you're selling seasonal merchandise it's vital because you can go into trends and look at you know when did the peak for Easter decorations happen last year you can dial it back two weeks saying hey now we know that at this date we need to have all of our content ready for those promotions both paid and organic yeah for sure uh let's see Oops, i guess i can spell it right so you guys are affiliates for halloween costumes it'll tell you or when to start worrying about your seo and your marketing campaign so now's a good time <laughs> and <laughs> start looking for it and then you want to be ready come october to to meet that need and guess when you start uh, your clearance sale? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get rid of them. Right and I'll, I'll give you a, a clue. It's not November 4th. <laughs> uh, so this is a really cool tool. Check it out. Uh, I, and then here's my related queries I was talking about for uh, on-page SEO. I use those for on-page. Again, really cool tool, and it uses Google uh, Data Studio. Yeah. Another cool thing about trends is oftentimes people don't know the best uh, synonym to use. Like if you're doing uh, T-shirts, it could be T-shirts, T-space shirts, T-shirts, all one word. could be T's, um, could be singular, could be plural. And so oftentimes if you're trying to figure out, well, what are people actually typing in so that I can get the best uh, exact match, you have to look at all of those. And there's no constant rule. It's not like plurals always beat singulars. They flip-flop. You go to Frisbee and Frisbees, and it'll be different than T-shirt and T-shirts. True, true. Uh, let's see. And the next one, same site, how to identify keyword cannibalization. This is actually how I found them. I found this one, and it's a uh, using Google Data Studio and your Google Search Console. Uh, since you know that the, the not provided is really prevalent in analytics, you can use Search Console a little bit better. Uh, obviously, to define cannibalization, they talk about a um, hourly rank tracking. You can see kind of Ted talked about this too, uh, how things just kind of bounce around and Google thinks with things over and over again. It's really good. That noise <laughs> yeah. what, that, what that noise graphic is showing you is you see like at the bottom where it's all smeared and blurry, mm -hmm. that's volatility. That's rankings jumping around. But at the top, the best performing content 
has the least volatility so you don't get those blurry vertical bars right. up at the top and so we call that the volatile middle and what we think is happening there is that google only has limited real estate for search results so for any keyword they're only showing a maximum of about 400 results right now which is what you went over last week right yeah and and everybody else has to timeshare in that volatile middle so if there are six thousand web pages about the keyword they're all going to timeshare in that blurry region hmm. interesting i like you to see the pattern too shake it up everything alone shake it up everything alone shake it up everything alone i can't see the actual dates on there it looks like it's happening every <coughs> day well, that's when their rank tracker is checking. You think so? I, I've manually gone back and done it every five minutes, uh -huh. and I've seen variations. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. So uh, at a certain level, we think, we suspect, that Google is re-rolling a teeny tiny random number for every result, and we call it minute random variance. And it's a way to be fair for, for ties, which we think are fairly common in Google. And so those ties will take everything that's roughly equivalent and mix them up. And every time you go back within minutes, you get new random variants. Now it's small. It's like a fraction of a percent of your overall ranking score, uh -huh. but it's, it's enough to measure. Makes sense. Okay, and with that, this tool, here's the instructions, Data Studio and Google Sheets. You combine those two, you can get some output right here, and it'll help you uh, figure out your um, your next steps, especially if you're talking about like uh, Marie and Moon went over with us two weeks ago. Uh, fixing keyword cannibalization, this is a great way to do it. Uh, with a pretty much with free tools. So if you don't want to mess around with uh, paid options, then go ahead and do it. Really clear, concise instructions all the way down here. So go ahead and play with it. Uh, they give you the example sheets for your templates. Uh, share, you know, make copies like I showed you uh, on the other report and go to town. This is, again, this is also another deliverable for your clients. Here is what yeah. we did for you. And keep in mind that cannibalization is usually bad, but it's not always bad. Not always bad. Yeah. In online retail, you like cannibalization because if you're a jewelry store, you will typically have dozens of different sterling silver amethyst pendants. And Google will only show typically about two in the organic search results. And when those sell out, if you are cannibalized with all of them, you can 410 the out of stocks, and the next two that are in stock will take the place. Jump up. Yep. And so using cannibalization, you can always keep in stock product in front of searchers. Nice. Yeah, so whew, great topic right there. I don't know. We might have to talk about that in SEO Fight Club. All right, last one, just because I want to put the bear and the bear is being Ted. Here we go. <laughs> Surfer SEO review. This is on Forty <coughs> Hacker. This guy actually does some really good reviews. Obviously, he gets some affiliate stuff out of it. No big deal. You can't hate on him. 
but he does go over the tool a lot and some, you know, how he thinks it's being used, uh, how he's applied it with Authority Hacker, and where he's seeing traffic increases, etc. Um, it doesn't specifically say, hey, I did use server, Surfer SEO. It's more that it could, so that might leave a little bit of a trust factor kind of thing going on in there. Um, but with that being said, I've like I said, I've used this tool since it started. It's okay. Um, there are a lot of questions for me, um, and I've never really applied everything to see if it ranks something uh, on its own, like I did, I've done with Pop and I've done with Cora. So I really I want to do that. I want to make another city SEO page here in Arizona and just see what happens. Uh, so it'll be pretty cool. Uh, one thing that I don't know is, is it combining, is it using as many competitors as uh, as Ted and Cora, which is 100? I think these guys are limited to 50. I'm not sure. And, you know, Pop is selected based off of what you do. So uh, that's an interesting change. Uh, and then there's some more information on the tool itself, which is kind of cool. So how, Ted, here's what the question. I don't want to. I'm not turning this into a let's bash on the tools thing. No, and, and I'm not. But the, yeah. the fundamental difference, like people see it and they say, oh, you know, Surfer is, is Cora, but cheaper. Uh -huh. but really, it's not. They're different. Um, you know, you brought up that they may only use 50. I, I don't know if they use 50 or more. Right. Uh, but there, there are two things that, that Cora fundamentally does. Cora measures a whole bunch of factors and tells you what those measurements are. And then Cora uses statistical correlation to figure out which ones of those factors appear to influence rankings the most. Uh -huh. And we take the ones that it looks like Google is sorting by and we bring those to the top. Now, the, the part that surfer isn't doing is that correlation math so they're doing a whole bunch of factors but they're not telling you which ones appear to influence rankings the most they're they're hard coded in a way where the developer said these are the ones we think are most important and they're always going to be in that sort order right um, so the difference is when there's a massive Google update and everybody's going, oh, my God, what changed? What do I need to do to respond? Surfer isn't built to answer that question. Uh, Cora is. Cora will show you, oh, these new factors have actually gone up. These old factors have gone down. And so this is, you know, how you need to respond. And that's the fundamental difference. Uh, Cora does more factors, but, you know, uh, it's really what do you need? Like uh, Pop, a lot of people say that Page Optimizer Pro is kind of like Cora, but a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Pop, Pop is fundamentally different too. Pop is awesome for finding quick wins. So if you're on a tight budget, uh, you should by all means do do Pop. Do Pop. The, prob the problem is you run out of runway. You, you get so far, but Pop's only looking at a handful of factors and you're not where you want to be. So what do you do next? Well, you need a broader view of the landscape to figure out how you're different 
than your higher ranking competitors and to figure out what it is that Google appears to want the most. And so it's those two questions uh, and Surfer is only answering one of the two. Right. I think it would be interesting to see like three people trying to rank for the same keyword city SEOs, just to get example, you know, one only uses one only uses pop one only uses surfer one only uses Cora and just, Hey, who comes out on top? That would be, to me, that would be like, this is the best result. This is the tool that got the best result, but then you got to take into what he's pointing out is interface Pop is pretty easy now. Core, you know, in the beginning, it was kind of a pain in the ass, copy paste competition, all that other stuff. And Kyle listened to his audience and changed it so it's a lot easier. Cora is the same way. See the example here. This was the original sheet. Oh my God, it was a nightmare. <laughs> and then Ted listened to his audience, and now there's roadmaps, basic inter- basic and intermediate tabs now, uh, and a couple other things to kind of make this not so um, inundating. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is kind of a misrepresentation. Like, all you really need is the roadmap, which is very bare bones and yeah. just describes how you're different than your higher-ranking competitors. This is an attempt to scare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, to me, if they're using a screenshot, and clearly this is probably an old screenshot off of the website, then it just doesn't seem to me that they used it. Uh, they got some, you know, so questions did they use you know they have screenshots of pop so maybe they were in there i'm not sure uh, they didn't source anyone else out on the images so yeah um, and they have... didn't they didn't point out that uh uh that the surfer side like they they commented on my price but they didn't do the trade-offs on, yeah. on that price is that you have usage restrictions and surfer and every time they add a bunch of factors or add more analysis, uh, because they're cloud, their operating costs go up and those costs get passed on to who? Yeah. <laughs> so every time they're going to grow their product, they're going to either apply stricter usage limits or increase their pricing. Yeah, pricing. And because of my architecture choices, I have never once increased pricing on customers. Yeah. Well, let's be fair, it's because it's really high already. <laughs> yeah. well, it's you know, I'm I'm a small business. I'm a boutique that yeah. delivers advantage. So you're artist in SEO. Well, it. and the other thing <laughs> is what's what's the advantage worth? You know, I, I you know, I like to say that I take a good SEO and make them better. And you know, how how much does that work? Yeah. Well, to me, it was priceless because that's exactly what you did for me. So it opened a new line of thinking for me, got me out of a lot of the stuff that I was doing, and I just learned a whole lot more just playing with Cora on my own. So I think that's awesome. Here's a feature that they did add, and I think it's actually pretty cool, is their content structure, uh, some more terms, more relevant terms. So this is actually neat. I like it because I can take that term list they got there, and now that's some new anchor text. The same thing I was doing with variations from Pop and Cora. Uh, you can kind of bend off and do that too. I don't know, and it's not very clear where that information is coming from. I'm assuming they're getting it from an API, but you know what happens when you assume. So, um, so that'd be really interesting to kind of 
cross that against the um, the Google NLP API as an example, or if TextRaiser, if you have an account over there, fill out your content, see what this tool gives you, and then throw it in there to one of the APIs and see if that matches. Uh, that'll kind of tell you where it's coming from. But again, that's a really cool addition. So that's Surfer SEO. Uh, I really do want it to, I'm going to do a page, another city SEO page, and just use their recommendations and see where I end up. So it's, it's not going to hurt anything to, to try it out. And if it's an intermediate SEO tool, um, I think that'd be pretty cool. That's kind of how I describe pop page optimizer pros. When you're doing your basic on page optimization, you want to get your structure, right? Uh, you're talking about keyword density, et cetera, and just hit the minimums that your competition is doing. Um, that's page optimizer pro. It's good. It's good enough. Uh, Surfer SEO, it might be an intermediate tool. I'm not saying that it's better than POP, but well, it might provide a little bit more data, but we'll see. I, I, I want to make any claims before I test it. I'd, I'd be I think Cora is advanced. I'd, I'd be willing to bet that using Surfer SEO is better than not using measurements at all, yeah. which is what most of the industry does. That's correct, yeah. So, so you know, you're, you're probably not going to regret using it over nothing you'll probably have better results right than the person who just believes the blogs yeah <laughs> yeah um, i think if you're hurting for money pop and surfer seo are two great opportunities for you um really low barrier entry get you started get you into it uh and then when you're ready to grow and go crazy and bust out a cora install or just buy some reports so we'll see uh let's see and that's it that's the last of the stories uh which is pretty good that's a good uh, uh um way to leave it i think if you guys have any questions now would be a great time to do it uh caleb caleb left some good comments he's starting to use tfidf on his projects uh and that's really good he's also said that he's following my tips on on-page link structures on a new project manipulating page rank uh, always linking up, never down. So that's awesome. I think you're going to see a lot of great results with that. Uh, he also states some using services very similar for his figure out a way to do spin tags, generates infinite versions. That sounds like a uh, comment and reference to the NLP stuff, uh, which is good. Be very interested to hear your results with that. And here's a question. Nope. It's a dig on Chase. Yeah. <laughs> And then Steven Buchanan, he's our resident friendly troll. I love Steven. He's awesome. <laughs> oh, uh, here's one for content uh, uniqueness. Sweet. So Miguel. Indexing rates. <laughs> uh, uniqueness. I, you know, well, Miguel's typing that out. Uh, I found, based off of what Kyle gave, his testing was, I think it was 51% unique. Every 13 word, and that creates unique content in the eyes of Google. Uh, I've played with a little bit of that in um, uh, local, and I can tell you that of just changing the city names was enough for me. <laughs> so, so, and then I think Ted, you did some more testing and changing uniqueness as well too. Did you find a different percentage in what Kyle found? Yeah, his, his, Miguel's referencing his. It was 51% good enough. There, 
There was a Google leak, uh, geez, about 10, 15 years ago, where somebody inside uh, Google on, on the engineering team uh, just blurted out that Google's definition of uniqueness was 13 consecutive words the same. <laughs> and if you think about it, there's about 25,000 English words that are commonly used on the web, the blue collar English words. Right. Uh, so that would be a 13 digit base 25,000 number, which is astronomical. So it makes sense that Google would have a system like that. The uh, problem with it is, is you don't know the offset. Where do they start looking at the words? And you don't know the boundary conditions. Is it 13, you know, can they start mid-sentence and overlap the, you know, end of one sentence and the beginning of the next to get those 13 words? So given those unknowns and that leak, the definition that I have used for well over a decade is make every sixth word unique. And that has always served me well. It's it's always done the trick. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, concept that isn't talked about very much, even in black hat circles, uh, that I call uniqueifiers, which are tactics to take existing content and to make it unique using that ratio of every sixth word. Uh, and different types of uniqueifiers that have been used over the years have been things like uh, accidentally doubling up on punctuation, accidentally inserting an empty uh, pair of uh, span tags yeah. into the middle of a sentence, um, accidentally putting in uh, unnecessary punctuation but making it the background color. So it's not visible to readers, but it's there breaking up the sentence. Um, Things like that, even just inserting random words and then using CSS to make those words uh, hidden. So it collapses back to the original text, but when you view the source, that word is actually there and breaking up the uniqueness. And those are, are uniqueifiers, and they're kind of the black hat way to make pre-existing content automatically unique. Yeah, there was a tool that actually did that, and what it would it would do what you're talking about with punctuation, but it would also change the alphabet. <laughs> so essentially, instead of using like the English A, they would use the Russian A, for example. Um, and you, you, it would be that way in the code, but it would display properly when you're sharing that article. So that kind of that was pretty cool. I use those a lot. Um, so now his question is, would that be enough for AdSense? And I think you have you really got a problem with when you're dinking around with your AdSense account because you can get under a manual review, let's say you just get lucky and you're making all kinds of money, you're going to draw attention of a manual review team to see if that you're doing it the right way. And if you're using spin for AdSense, you're putting your AdSense revenue at risk, uh, especially if you're not doing it properly and you're just kind of going out there and throwing shit against the wall and see what ranks, um, which is typically <laughs> you know, how ID stuff throw it against the wall, see what ranks, take that all down, and then rank something good for it. Um, 
but duplicate content alone is not going to harm your AdSense revenue. Case in point, every PR site known to man. If you can syndicate the same article over and over again, and you notice most of those are now monetized with AdSense or uh, Bing ads or whatever, uh, I think you're going to be okay. And that's probably the route that I would recommend you taking is create a new site of some type, get yourself into some of those syndication feeds where people will publish content to your site for you, uh, and then monetize that with AdSense uh, in much the same way that you know Fox, CNN, and everyone else is doing nowadays. So uh, that would be a better opportunity than using spin content for your AdSense account. I just, again, it's just the, that it's, you know, if you get on, if you're making a lot of money, which is great, uh, you risk your account under manual review doing spin text. And if you piss off Google, I have seen Google give 10-year bans to people on AdSense and yeah. lifetime bans. And you don't you don't want to do that. So yeah, I'd exercise caution with AdSense. But if you're not using AdSense, then there's a whole bunch of uh, black hat, gray hat stuff you can do. Yeah, for sure. Again, AdSense isn't the only monetization model. So, uh, but if that's the one you chose, just you know, be careful. I like to Ted's point. I lost my AdSense account for five years, so, so <laughs> it happens. <laughs> All right, let's see. Interesting. Might catch up with full page. Uh, Clint, are you having success with spin text for money websites? I don't really like using spin text on money websites. Uh, but that being said, I. If I'm doing local pages, like you're targeting city SEO or plumber city or whatever, Google doesn't expect as much uniqueness in uh, local. There's only so many ways you can talk about a lawyer. There's only so many ways you talk about a plumber. They get it, and they, they, you get a lot more, um, uh, what you call it, leeway. Uh, in local national, not so much, but I'll use spin text all day long for my backlinking. So um, that's just kind of how that works. And I think that is it. And we hit an hour. So I'd like to thank everybody for um, joining us. Uh, episode 127. Last question. Holly was talking more about the mass pages. Anything worth the time? Holly is my friend, but if she's talking about a new method, then there'll be a course right behind it that she's going to do. So, <laughs> um, but I still do mass pages. Yeah. And, yeah. and Holly will be the one to ruin the method. Yeah. Sure. Much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, mass pages are still work, especially if you want to just throw stuff at the wall, see if it ranks. Uh, if you're doing client work and you just don't have anything else, you, you just like completely out of ideas, build a math page, throw it to the wall, and, and then on your client site, you know you know some things you can easily rank for. Yeah, Holly is truly the uh, mother of dragons and destroyer of methods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, I, I don't think she does anything small. So <laughs> yep. if she gets back in the math pages, that's just time for me to move somewhere else until she's you know lost interest again. <laughs> all right so again thank you very much 10 fco fight club anything to reveal uh nope uh yeah kind of on the the hot seat for coming up with the topic so i'll probably have to dig into the research archives find something i overlooked or maybe we'll do another ama those are always fun 
what do you think we should do? I like doing the AMAs, uh, and I like doing the the live site audits. Personally, those are the two things that are great for me because it gets you thinking, sees new markets, and and you have a good conversation uh, with a bunch of SEOs on what might work and what might not. So, all right. So, if you have a site you want audited, uh, send it to Clint today if you have Clint's contact info. And Clint will pick one. So if there's a dozen, he's just going to pick one, and we're going to do that. And then we'll have the SEO Fight Club first site audit. That sounds awesome. All righty. All right. Thank you, folks, and I'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.